Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another special interview from the Court of Nerds. It's really wonderful for us when we find a connection between the things we love so much and the place we live. And this time around, it's finding out that extraordinary voice actress Stephanie Shea got her start in life right in little Kalamazoo, Michigan. And Stephanie is joining us this week on the podcast. Stephanie, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> I, I am thrilled. I mean, when we found out that you are from Kalamazoo, it just made our days. Do you, uh, do you remember much about Kalamazoo, or did you guys move out to the West Coast at a young age? We, I moved out to the West Coast at a young age. The thing that I – well, before that, we went – after Kalamazoo, Michigan, we went to Maynard, Massachusetts. Um, and then after that, Northern California, and then I obviously live in LA now. But there are certain things that I remember I do, as a kid, you know. Um, but mostly, I remember like uh, snow and <laughs> um, like sledding in the backyard and running into a tree. You know, like like the tree would stop you because we kind of lived on a little hill and stuff like that. Like yep. um, I also have a huge. All of my, um, my mom is the youngest of six kids, um, and every single one of my aunts and on that side of the family, they have all worked at some point in their life for Kellogg's. Um, so not just me, but my entire, like all the cousins and extended, extended family, um, we have a very, like, we're very devoted to Kellogg's because of it. Yeah. Um, so I, and it still has lasted to this day, even though I left at a very young age, I just, all if I have a choice, I'm, I'm always going to pick the Kellogg, um, Kellogg over General Mills. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, which is, <laughs> which is, which is really problematic because I love Honey Bunches of Oats and that's made by Post. Oh man. How do you but get over like, that? How do you get oh, past something? It's, it's a struggle I constantly. Know, it's, it's like really traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> well, something that probably wasn't traumatic for you was Crunchyroll's Anime Awards, where your name took home Best Film. Stephanie, what's it like being involved with a film like your name that's gotten so much critical acclaim? It is such an honor. Um, it is, um, I mean, I'm so lucky. I, like, still pinch myself. Um, and I, when I, I knew it was something special because when we were going to work on the movie, like we watched it and I, I, I knew that, you know, there was a lot of hype because it's screened at anime expo, the subtitle version. And, and it was, you know, everyone was like, Oh God, I see this movie. And, and so I knew that it was like kind of a big deal, but at the same time, you know, a lot of anime films are kind of a big deal in that sense. Like people get excited for it, Right. True. Um, and, but then when I, when I watched the movie, it really, was on a whole different level. I mean, I became a fan of the movie and then I immediately became afraid because I was worried as with anything that you're a fan of and you have the chance to work on, I was terrified that it was going to somehow mess it up. Um, and even um, in terms of being a part of it, it was never, you know, I, I knew I would have loved to have the opportunity to be in it. But that wasn't something that was predetermined or set in stone or anything like that. Um, and, uh, actually, I didn't think that I was right for Mitsuha, um necessarily. And then we were having uh, auditions and we were struggling to have to find, you know, 
actresses to be able to do the part, a lot of times they would do a great read of one version of the character, but then they would have a hard time with the other aspects of the character. And then we also decided that based on the content of the film that we wanted, we had to incorporate some kind of accent because it's part of the plot. Right. Um, and it's also, it, it subtly helps with um, selling the, the body switching. Oh my God. I hope people have seen this movie. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> if, if you yeah, haven't, yeah. if you haven't, I mean, legitimately, this is, and, and Stephanie, I hope you don't think that I'm blowing smoke here. This was my favorite film last year of all films, action, animated, whatever. I mean, this, this is one of those movies that people see, and then you tell all your friends who don't like anime, like, no, 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 you'll like this movie because it is that good. It is sci-fi, it is drama, it is romance, and you're, we're working it, and I said it in our review at thecourtofnerds.com, was just spectacular. I'm surprised you didn't think you were a fit at first for Mitsuha. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think that I was, I didn't, I was, it's not that I didn't think that I was right for it. I just wasn't sure. It didn't feel like a natural go-to thing. And I actually was kind of like shaky about the accent. But then what I realized is when we decided that normally, you know, they, in anime, they, they convert like a Kansai accent to, to like a Southern accent and like, well, they are townies, but it's not South of Tokyo. It's kind of like north and to the east or something so we were like well okay what can we do and so we kind of went with since the town is fictional we kind of went with a regionalism that is like kind of partially midwest partially minnesotan type of thing to give you like a feel and it was really light um because the other thing we talked about is that while it's baked into the script that they talk about hockey and speaking funny and having like a funny accent um from a realistic standpoint, if he, if Taki suddenly spoke with a full-blown accent of any kind, yeah. it would just be insanity. Like his friends wouldn't would obviously know what's up, but since it's they are just kind of like he seems off or weird or not himself, you know, the, the accent had to be subtle enough that you kind of forget about it, but then you also kind of notice sometimes. Um, so that's the option that we that we've gone with, and even though I left the Michigan at a very young age. Um, there's, there's other Michiganders like Michelle Ruff is from Michigan. And I think, um, uh, Doug Erholtz is, and they always, there's a few words that I say, like I spread my A's out still yep. kind of. Um, <laughs> and, um, and like, I, so I really think about like the way my cousins talk. Um, and like, I, I can't say like, I say sandwich, you know, it's the very, like, scene. like, so there's certain things that uh, I didn't realize that I had already in my history that was helping me, like, kind of pull out certain elements to make it just sound, you know, naturally a little bit more of a different feel of that. Um, so, yeah, and so I I read for it kind of like last minute type of thing and, and, and uh, you know, the client and Michael and then the other producers on the, they were like, no, our, you're, you're our favorite pick. So um, I was very excited and lucky. And I still am like, oh, my gosh, it's, it's funny. I, I think, the funnily enough, though, I, as a character, I am more like Taki. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I'm more of a tomboy. I'm a little bit more like, so... 
I don't know. It, it was a little bit easier uh, voicing Mitsuha's Taki than it was voicing Mitsuha's Mitsuha. <laughs> it seemed, it, I'll be honest, it seemed a little bit more natural for you to kind of have that. But I'll say this, Michigan girls are a little bit tougher than most, so it makes sense to me. Uh, <laughs> Stephanie, i got to ask you about this. It's one of my favorite little fun facts about you is that you were a fan of the genre before you were even a part of the genre uh, as part of the UCLA Anime Club, right? Yes. Yeah, I was. So um, what happened was I was assigned by my editor because, like, back then, ancient times, my editor was like, this anime thing, it's, like, really big now. Can you, why don't you do a story about the anime club in UCLA? Um, and I was like, okay. And I, like, couldn't get a hold of them. I went to, like, the student, the whatever, the student body, you know, student body association office, and I got the numbers of the officers but they had all graduated. And I was like, what? I, I just couldn't locate them. And then I went to UCLA. Um, and then on Bruin Walk, one of the days I saw a big sandwich board and it was at UCLA Anime Club. I was like, oh. And I, and I was like, oh, so I can I come and do, do a story on you guys? And they're like, yeah, great. We're meeting tomorrow night from 7 p.m. to 11. And I was like, uh okay and it was like i think it was an, the night before a midterm or something and i was like oh god what can they possibly do from <laughs> 7 p.m to 11 p.m it's such a long meeting oh my gosh i was actually like very annoyed you know yeah. that i had to go do this thing and I, I go in there to the meeting and then the president goes okay today we're watching episode one of Evangelion and episode two of Escaphone and Slayers episode blah 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 and Marmalade Boy episode blah, blah, blah. And, and then and then then he and then the light just in and that was it and then at the end of the show and then I don't know like for all I mean now they're like old shows but like back then it was a new show and I mean Eva the first episode ends in this huge cliffhanger and episode two of Escaphone ends in a huge cliffhanger. And then every episode that we watch is like this huge cliffhanger. And I was like, damn it, I'm going to have to come back because I want to know how these things end. So um, I did, uh, I, you know, I, I interviewed a few people. And then, and then the other thing I did was I, the back then, I don't know how clubs work nowadays, but back then, you know, they all really dealt with like trading fan subs because just anime legal anime wasn't as readily available. Um, also, it took years and years for a show to come out. Yeah. Um, so people would make videotapes and fan subs. And so the anime clubs would have librarians and you could check out tapes to watch at home and then, then you turn them back in and check out other stuff. And so one of the girls that I interviewed, this girl named Artif, was um, a librarian. And, and like just talking to her, I was like, man, she knows a lot about anime. And she seems to have a huge personal collection. So then it, I made it my quest to befriend her so that I could borrow her anime. It was purely <laughs> selfish motivation. Um, and I succeeded. And actually, we're, fr- we're still friends to this date. And she end- we ended up living together in college and all sorts of stuff. Uh, but it, it, it was more selfish in the very beginning. Um, and then she was part of the fan subbing group. So okay. uh, the following year, I became an officer. And then I was like, I helped out in her fan subbing group. And like, so I was like deep into the fandom. Uh, and back then, um, 
I would only watch subtitled versions of anime because I always thought all the dubs sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and um, now having worked in the industry and actually having also met some of the people who worked in the industry before me, uh, it was a very different time. Uh, you know, I'm good friends with Mark Handler, and Mark Handler worked on the original Voltron, and he would explain to me that they recorded everything analog. They didn't have digital recording. They didn't have beeps. Oh they were gosh. timing things off of a stopwatch. Um, and with analog recording, you're recording over the tape, which means the only take that you have is the very last one. Right, one you shot. edit things together. Yeah. Well, you have one shot. You can keep recording over the tape, but you only have what is the last thing you recorded. So let's say you get a take and it's pretty good, but you want something a little bit different. You, If you go again, you lose that take forever. So you can't, like, you have to decide, is it worth risking this take that you really like to try something else or to get something maybe better? Or do you just play it safe and keep that take, you know? Or if you said, oh, I loved it, but it was a little too long, you can't, you can't do anything to fix it. So... I mean, I think kudos to the actors and the directors and the writers back then because they had a much more difficult job. Also, I think that, you know, they didn't have as much access to Japan's side, so they would get whatever translations they had to figure it out. And sometimes they made mistakes, but there was nobody there to help them and, you know, tell them what things were. So, that's yeah, crazy. anyway. No, that's awesome. That's, that's part of, like, that's I, how I got started. Yeah. You know, because I thought dub sucked, so I thought... It was a low bar to be able to reach. Right? <laughs> no, I, I I know the feeling. I you know, as somebody who does sports talk for my day job, I watch people on Sports Center, and I'm like, I could do that, you know, and I, I could do that better, and that's your that becomes the goal. Um, yeah. Stephanie, I got to ask you about this because I do want to talk about uh, you know your work with with DC Comics and uh, doing American animation as well. But before we get to that, we I had a chance to talk to Steve Bloom, another guy in your industry. We asked him to pick his favorite voice that he's ever done, and he said it was like asking him to pick a favorite child. Is yeah. it the same way for you? Can you not pick a favorite? Um, it's true. My joke, my my joke about that is, it is like asking to pick your favorite child. You know, you personally have your favorite, but you'd never tell anybody who that was. <laughs> right, right. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, is. <laughs> And to be honest, I think realistically speaking, it's more of the sense that it's more like asking somebody to pick their all-time favorite film or all-time favorite food because sometimes they're so different yeah. and, and also depends on your mood. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I think if that's more of an accurate description. You can't really – you ask me one day – you ask me one day, I can maybe name like four different roles. You ask me two weeks later, it's a different – you know, for different roles. You know, it's never just one, but it's a different group, maybe. Now, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. You have, of course, have an extensive background working in anime, but now you also have worked with DC on a couple of different things. One of my all-time favorite short anime, uh, animated films of all time, The Batman of Shanghai, and now you're Katana on DC Superhero Girls. What's the biggest yeah. difference between working on anime from Japan and working on American animation with a company like DC? Um, I think the biggest difference is that in the original animation, you are creating the character. So you get to infuse aspects of your personality into it. You know, you don't, you might not, you can also have a little bit of influence on, on the script if you are, if you are improving or whatever, but 
you're not limited to what's already been animated, right? So if you have an idea in anime, you're like, oh, this would be a funny way to say the, say the, say the line, but you look at the animation and you're like, oh, but it doesn't match the face. Or you want to take, you want to be maybe a sarcastic on a line, but she's got a, like her, she's, her, her uh, face is smiling. Or you would want the line to be a little bit quieter, but the mouth is super huge, so you kind of have to project more, you know. You're just limited to what is um, done before. And in original animation, you have a lot more freedom. With something like DC, it is established already, so there isn't as much freedom. You still have to, like, you know, fit into the canon and stuff. But with DC Superhero High and in particular definitely with Katana, is that Katana's story in in the comics, and she doesn't, her story doesn't really start until later in her life. Right. Like, you know about her husband and, but, and you know, and all that. And her legacy really has to do with the Katana and the relationship with the brothers and all of that stuff and everything that comes after that. They don't really talk about her history before. So I don't have to, I mean, I didn't, there wasn't, there wasn't too much stuff that I had that I had to um, worry about in terms of that legacy character. I we just created a girl that was super fun and confident and could kick butt. You know, that somebody who could eventually become who we know as Katana. But I don't have to worry too much about you know uh, what's already in the established canon of that. I, I gotta ask you about this just because this this is a fun question that I, I like asking people because the characters you voiced covers such a broad range of fandom i guess is it more fun for you seeing uh you know i guess adults wearing orihime shirts or is it more fun seeing a little girl running around in a katana t-shirt well because it's all about the ageism right i, I say it's the little girl the little okay. girl dresses anything little girl running around is still in the blank kids kind of win <laughs> kids are kind of the it's trump card yeah yeah um but I think that, I don't know, actually. It's hard to pick because they all have, you know, I think also it also depends on the context. Whatever seems more rare, you know. If I'm at an anime con and someone is, like, freaking out over DC Girls, then that's, like, more exciting. That's you know, super Because cool. yeah. there's a million people doing Bleach, right? Yeah. But if I'm, like, in, like, a normal setting and, like, someone is, like, all animated out, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, they're into anime, you know. Like, so it right. also kind of depends on, like, what's more rare i guess so, right if you're if you're out but, to eat and you're and somebody's like oh my god hinata and you're like oh that's yeah that's me and you found a new friend <laughs> that's different from being at an anime con and someone's freaking out about something that you're not necessarily there to promote right 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 yeah well stephanie listen i can't thank you enough for the time i could ramble with you for hours on end if we even got into how much i love your work as a cat on blue exorcist but i don't know that we have time <laughs> for that today uh i will say thank you oh, so that. much Yes, can can will you come back on sometime? Yeah, totally, totally. Awesome. Uh, she is Stephanie Shea. Please follow all of her work. She's wonderful, and we are your court of nerds.